Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you want more information on things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Okay, let's get started. Here we go. I, I'm going to admit on the podcast how frustrated I am that we have to do this at all. So, we, oh, why we, why are we doing this? I don't mind looking human, and I don't mind making myself look like a moron. And I, and I think it kind of I think some people revere the position of lead pastor, and and that's fine. But I I think the question we need to ask is not why are we doing this, Chris? It's why are we doing this again? Again, that's the question. That's what I'm saying. So. We recorded this this last week. We were ahead of the game. We were ready to go. Alex and I were in the booth. We had just done a podcast, so we recorded that episode, and I pushed the stop record button and then proceeded to record the podcast with him, this one that we're about to do again, which it, I, it is indefinite that what will happen is we are going to hate this version way more than what we did last week. It that uh, it just always happens to me where I'm like I liked the first one more, but there's no record of it whatsoever. It's yeah. gone. So anyway, I went to push stop record after that podcast, and I looked down and realized I had never hit record again, and uh, I failed miserably because right. we finished the first one, stopped the recorder, right? Talked about what we're gonna do for this one, and then the button was not correct hit to record this one. So, so this if, is volume two. If and it feels like we. Uh, you know, are less interested in this podcast. There's a reason for that, but we love you and we're providing an episode right now. So here we go. So I, th- the one thing that I do remember our conversation that I really loved, and I'm going to stop talking about the last episode because it doesn't exist. It, it, it's, it's gone in posterity's sake. So this episode, what we're going to talk about is what, how are we feeling about Habakkuk? And honestly, it has been such a surprising book to me and really helpful for me in a lot of ways but I'm going to toss it to you first. Are we loving the book? What do we think of the book? What's Habakkuk doing to us so far? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's really rocking my world in the sense that I've never slow rolled Habakkuk right. like we have in this. And, you know, there's lots of parts of scripture. And especially, you know, as we go through school, we read through the Bible multiple times. Mm-hmm. Even as at church, we did the Bible in a year. And I think Habakkuk was like not even didn't even cover like a whole day worth of reading. Right. Like you had to read Habakkuk plus some other things right. to do one day. So you just kind of read through it and you're like, oh, there's there's some stuff about Babylon and it's interesting. Uh, but the more and more I dig into this and I look at my own life, I think there's there's two things that I that have really stuck out to me, and I've mentioned them both in sermons. One is, you know, we look at the five woes of Babylon. And it's easy to say, well, those aren't me because I don't have blood on my hands like your last sermon. Right. Um, I didn't do those things. I didn't build a building and kill anyone while I was doing it. But if we take if we take Jesus's message about you know anyone who hates his brother has committed murder in his heart, the, the standard is higher. I do see inklings of my heart that are just like Babylon, and so it's really rocked my world to to even look at my own heart and say. Uh, how how do those seeds, how are those in my heart right now? And how do I make sure those seeds don't grow? And then the second thing is talking about justice. 
I think this is this is really what I've gotten out of Habakkuk, and I did mention it in a couple sermons ago. So often we see every inconvenience in our own lives, and I see every inconvenience in my life as an injustice against me. Sure. I can't believe that happened to me. That's injustice. It needs to be corrected. Somebody else is the problem. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes those, what I perceive as injustice against me is actually God's justice, mm-hmm. the opposite towards me mm-hmm. for the things that I have done. I'm like, man, what a reframing that sometimes God is leading me through hard things, through inconveniences, not because the world's full of sin and injustice happens, no, but because he is He is training me, disciplining me, mm-hmm. and bringing justice because of the wrongs that I've done. I mean, that that just blew me away and made me rethink everything, yeah, that I, that I think about the hardship that I face in life. Yeah. So that those two things have really rocked me, which I did not expect— you know, I, I remember I shared that with you the mm-hmm. first time in your office as I was working on a sermon. I'm like, man, this is just like wrecking me. And then I got to go tell everybody else about it. Like, oh, right. that's that's one of the fun things about preaching, though. Like, it's one of the weirdest parts of, of preaching and sermons in general is that you, your heart is being exposed by the Lord and he's ripping you apart. And then you have to go take that exposure and somehow pass it on without making it all about you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a weird that, place to be. Yeah. It's, a, it's that fine line between like our... I've told people this before. We preach the best when the the message that we're teaching has affected us first. And so that's why, you know, I love, we're, we're preaching through Habakkuk. We're going to hit the fourth woe. I'm up this week, mm-hmm. this coming week. Uh, but we have already studied our next, like, what are we, 10 sermons in, eight sure, sermons something in? something like that, yeah, yeah. So that's another funny thing as a preacher when I'm like preaching Habakkuk, but I'm writing sermons for First Peter right now, which is <laughs> sometimes I get a little, little, little messed up. So, so we're like halfway through First Peter. So that sure. has, has stuff has already been working on my heart now. That's a cool thing about how we do mm-hmm. things here. I am processing and, and allowing the Spirit to teach myself so that in six, eight weeks when we get when I'm in First Peter, when we're preaching First Peter, uh, I get to share those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's one of the cool things about being a preacher is our, our sermons are best when it's sunk into our own hearts. Right. Because when we preach from our hearts. Right. Uh, but also, yeah, it's that weird line of like, every sermon is not about me. Mm-hmm. So that perfect blend of like, I want to be vulnerable. I want you to know how this affects me because maybe it'll affect you the same way. Right. Uh, but also, it's not like the Alex show for 30 minutes. Let me tell you everything about what's going on in my life. And Yeah. Yeah. So, what? How is uh, yeah? That's good. How has Habakkuk been working in you, Chris? Yeah, it's it's a similar slog. I what as I work through sermons, I'm first appreciating the minor prophets in fresh new ways. Zephaniah was great. Habakkuk is really interesting and really introspective, giving me a lot of time to think about things and pushing me. Uh, I I often get worked up a little bit with being a leader in the world and trying to get other people to do what you ask them to do and being frustrated when people don't respond. And it's always helpful when I have a book that really highlights the sovereignty of God and his goodness and how he uses things to his purposes, even if we don't always see that. And there's a relief to me in that, right? Mm -hmm. This sense that I don't have to worry about everything God's got 
some of it, and that doesn't mean I don't do anything. That doesn't mean I sit back and do nothing, but it does mean I'm going to, I'm going to let him do what he's going to do, trust the process, do what I can do. But at the end of the day, if people don't listen to me, that's, that's not my responsibility. That's helpful. Yeah. And there's at least a part of that. I'm, I'm going through the five woes, thinking about Babylon, having this curse given to them from God and knowing he's not going to curse them immediately, but all of these woes are going to happen to them eventually. That would have been very freeing and also probably difficult for Habakkuk, right? Yeah. I would like these to happen tomorrow rather than a few years from now or a decade or, you know, a hundred yeah. years from now. So there's a, there's an element of that that's helpful. And then I think, honestly, like I said, minor prophets are just so much more interesting. I'm super looking forward to Habakkuk 3. Moving into the worship idea that we're going to lead into at the end of this is amazing. And then I think when you put the two together, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and then what's really interesting is moving into First and Second Peter, there's a, there's a consistent thread in the, in the Bible again and again and again. You're here. I've put you here for a reason. You have responsibilities. You have a role that I want you to play out. The world isn't going to look like you want it to look. It's not going to serve you. It's not going to love you. You're not going to get everything you want, which is very different than the teaching a lot of people give us in our world yeah, today. Yeah. And it doesn't owe you anything. <clears throat> in fact, the world is, is you know, uh, in rebellion against me. So get ready. When you, when you decide to follow me, get ready. It's going to hurt, but it'll be worth it in the end. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that's good. I can live by that. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the role of the prophet. You know, what is what is the prophet? The prophet is someone who speaks the word of God. But you look at the Old Testament prophets, and these guys were were all, or for the most part, fairly weird dudes. Like, yes. They didn't fit in. They weren't mainstream. They were willing to say the unpopular thing because they, they spoke the word of the Lord. And you have the the prophets that write books like Habakkuk and you have Jeremiah who like speaks to the king. But then you also have guys who are just mentioned briefly. You have uh, Micaiah in the Kings Mm -hmm. who the king of Israel is like, I hate him because he always brings me bad news, Uh, but it's always the right news. And so thinking about that, like what is, is there, is there an office? Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but is there a, a place for profit for a profit that idea in the modern day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that keeps my mind open to people who speak the hard things mm-hmm. that is is not mainstream. And we always look at them and it's easy to be like, yeah, that guy's kind of crazy or he's a little weird sure. or he's got some yeah. weird beliefs. But, but man, is God using that person as a prophet today, not to speak new words of God per se, not to speak scripture, right. not to speak right. on that level, but to bring God's message in a meaningful way to his people. And so, so I don't, you know, I don't have like a, okay, these are the seven modern day prophets or, you know, this guy, he's a modern day prophet. Uh, And I don't, I don't even know if I would even label someone with that as like a title. This is a prophet, but, but there are some, maybe there are some prophets today that are speaking an unpopular word that are weird. You know, even John the Baptist, the last mm-hmm. Old Testament prophet, was super weird. Yeah. And the religious movement of the day would have been like, yeah, weird. I love how the, the chosen calls him Crazy John because mm-hmm. it's true. That's how they would have seen him. Like, Crazy John, that guy eats bugs. Like, <laughs> you know. That guy eats bugs. Right, right. So when he said, when he calls us, 
you know, a, a den of vipers and whitewashed tombs. Like, yeah, the, 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 all right, listen, he, he's a bug eater. Just let him go. He's crazy. Mental illness. You know what I mean? Um, but, but no, he was, he was the, the Elijah to, yeah. to point to Jesus. And are there, I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Are there similar people in our world today that we all, the kind of the religious normal vein sure. sees as like, yeah, that guy's crazy, but man, if you really listen to what they're saying, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just to be clear for those that are listening to this and thinking, wait, what, what? Okay. So yeah. we are not necessarily talking about the cessationist view here or any of those things. Right, right. I, and I, I don't, I'm not even wanting to get into that and you're not asking for that. You're, I, I see prophecy as a two part job in the Bible. The, the one that we usually get hung up on with prophecy is foreknowledge or foretelling, right? right? You, you see something from the future, whether it's a vision or a dream or some kind of thing that happens, you know, the Bible calls it all kinds of different things, dreams, visions, divination, you know, uh, you know, Joseph's got a divination cup that he drinks from and apparently God gives him vision. Like, mm-hmm. that's weird. I don't know what to do with that. So we're not, I'm not necessarily sure how much of that is still happening. Right. The other office or other part of the office of prophet is forthtelling, which is just telling what the word of God really says. There's a ton of people doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is the office of prophet today, no questions asked. You know, I, I've got a little bit of, of a debate in my head about how many people are actually seeing those visions and those dreams, how many people are legit at that point. So a lot of people that can be a charlatan today that can say they're having something that they're not. But when we're talking about forthtelling, taking God's word and pre- preaching it properly, for example, I don't know that John the Baptist ever had visions. Right. All he's doing right. is quoting Isaiah. Yeah. And he's doing it in such a beautiful way that people are like, that guy's nuts. It's like, no, it's all there. You just need to look at it the way I'm looking at it. In which case, there's a lot of people like that in, in the world today that you, the more you dig into God's word, you start to look a little bit like a crazy person, which right. I think is part of why Paul says in Corinthians, you know, if we're if we're in our right mind, it's for you. But if we're out of our mind, it's for the Lord. And I'm like, ah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, and, I mean, and we're not and we're not diminishing mental illness here. We're not talking about people being. You know, that's not even remotely what we're saying. What what I'm what I'm saying here is, the further you get into a walk with God, there's a really good chance the world's going to think you're nuts. Yeah. And that that so in that sense, yeah, absolutely. There are people all over the world today that are doing this. And and even to push that point a little bit more. Not just the world, but the, I mean, I'm going to use air quotes because you can't see me, the yeah. religious establishment here, it, it's it's hard to, it's not hard. Uh, you, you look at Jesus's day and you had the religious leaders like the Sanhedrin, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees and Jesus butt heads with them the most. Those guys were supposed to be the guys right. who knew it. And, and I often, you know, because of, because of our profession, I look at those guys and I say, if I'm supposed to relate to someone in the New Testament, it's usually the Pharisees. Like that's me. I am I'm a I'm religious establishment. I'm paid by a church. I work under a church. Now, hopefully, we, 
the, the church and the ministry we're doing is not pharisaical, right? right. But I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that is a constant reminder to me to check myself, to make sure I'm not becoming that. It's a constant reminder to say, am I just doing this because it's religious establishment? Am I just doing this because it's popular, because it will grow a ministry, because it will get a building, because it will make us enough money? Like I, I have to constantly go back to that and say, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Am I following the Lord? Because there were certainly religious establishment people who then mm-hmm. did follow Jesus, Nicodemus being one of them. Yep. I want to be the Nicodemus. I want right. to be the one who's with Jesus, who's asking him the questions, and more so than Nicodemus because he kind of, you know, drops out of the Gospels until the very end there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what was he doing? Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't really following Jesus. But I want to be the ones who are following Jesus and leading the again air quotes religious establishment re- yeah. leading that group toward Jesus not towards the building of religion per se yeah so so that's where like yeah i, I try i try totally to walk agree. that line and then so then the role of the prophet the one who comes and speaks god's word to his people the prophets often spoke to the religious establishment and mm-hmm. to the political establishment mm-hmm. and so I'm constantly checking myself and saying, okay, that guy's weird, but is the message true? So it's not just to the world, but it's to the the people who are, that we rub shoulders to that might be taking our belief. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say in the wrong direction, but drifting away from, from the Jesus that yeah. that scripture shows us. Totally. Which I think leads into really our, you know, our, our, bonus topic, which I, I would sit and talk about Habakkuk all day long because it's such a good book and I'm really enjoying it. When I look at the the verses that we just looked at on Sunday and we talk about injustice and we talk about blood guilt and we talk about iniquity, we talk about people being in charge who are doing those things. And, you know, I talked a little bit about vengeance and vigilantism and then, you know, connect that with Batman. But I'm not wearing hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. People like that in the second service that I used that voice. Yeah. I didn't do it in the first service. Uh, the, the fact that we live in a world that can r- wrongly understand God and his will puts us in this place where a lot of times the way people look at God is, well, he's strong enough to take care of it, so I don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. Or the other side, God has given me the power to destroy my enemies like David did, so that's what I'm supposed to do. And I think Habakkuk pushes back on that. I think Jesus pushes back on that. I think the whole Bible is sort of saying there's a different way of looking at it. And we didn't have time to totally spell this out in the sermon. So I'm just going to jump on it for a second. And then, you know, we'll, we'll jump off at this topic and kind of let this be, you know, the end of the podcast. But the, the idea that I think about is if the person is doing something and they are led by the spirit to do so, I'm not going to stand in their way. Mm -hmm. But I don't know of times in the Bible where the spirit is calling Christians to say blow up something or kill someone in order to accomplish the task at hand, mm-hmm. which is a weird place to be because we we don't live in that world, right? We live in a world that wants to 
I don't know. We want to take vengeance. We want to, we want to be a vigilante. Sometimes we, we want to assert the authority that we have and we want to do something. So I, you know, one of the topics that I, I I'm thinking of is, um, you know, I brought this up in the sermon, but bombing an, an abortion clinic, that is not in God's will. Now, I understand why people can get there. I understand how someone could get to that spot. And if you're not harming someone, I understand how someone could say, this is totally justified because I'm doing that. But I don't believe that the spirit would have led someone to do that. On the flip side, recently in Iowa at the state capitol, there was a a statue built in the name of Satan in the midst of a whole bunch of Christmas decorations, the Church of Satan, which isn't really a church, and they don't really believe in Satan, but they call themselves the Church of Satan just right. to troll us. They built a uh, a satanic, you know, monument in the midst of of all the Christmas monuments. So, someone s- heard this, drove to Iowa, and destroyed it with an axe or something, and then handed the the weapon over to the authorities and went to jail and then is now on trial and they're trying to get him as a for a hate crime because he destroyed religious property which we we could all get into the debate here about how is it a religious property if the religion doesn't exist if you claim that you're atheist and you don't actually believe in satan but yet you're making satanic monuments is it really a religion is it really a church you know sure. we can go down that whole road and, and I think legally there's a loophole there that might end up winning for this guy but I have no problem with that guy doing what he's doing if the spirit led him to do so, right? That, to me, that's very similar to Gideon. That's very similar to some other people in the, in the scriptures who are overwhelmed with the, the might of God and mm-hmm. they go do something in the midst of that. I can understand that that actually would be spirit led to do so. So I, I don't know if the spirit led him to do it, but I don't have an issue with it versus you know, killing an abortion doctor, blowing up right. a clinic, doing some other things. Like there, there are, there's a line that we go. And so... I think as Christians, part of what's challenging is us being in tune with the Spirit so much that we both do not sit back and do nothing, and then the other side of it, don't take matters into our own hands in vigilantism. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, it's that <laughs> active and passive waiting. You know, one one of the things about the, the Batman scene, what sets it up is the question asked of Batman before he says those words. And they, he's, you know, these guys are, are fighting crime and Batman basically tells them to stop. And they say to him, they said, what makes you any better than me? Basically, why do you right. get to do this right. and I don't? And he says, you know, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Right. Like, I'm the real deal. You're not. Exactly. Um, and that's kind of the, you know, on the, on the one side of things, when we are thinking that we are going to carry out God's justice, his ultimate justice, mm-hmm. things like bombing abortion clinics, murdering people. That's basically, we're the ones in the hockey pads. We're saying to God, what makes you think you're better than me? Right. He's like, I'm the king of the universe. I exactly Justice is mine. Vengeance is mine. It does not belong to my people. So that should make us back off a little bit on some of that, like, we're going to take matters into our own hands. But yeah, what you're saying is the pendulum can swing too far the other way to now we just become passive. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, people are dying Children are being murdered. People don't have enough food to eat, nowhere to live. Uh, but, you know, God's going to take care of it all. Right. So I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to take care of it all and take me home because I have, because right. I live in comfort. Um, I think that's, 
that's missing. And you know, I think that that mindset has captured enough of us that it has hurt discipleship. And and, yep. and I would say that many liberal churches, churches that have kind of lost their scriptural backing, are seeing that passive mindset, and that's where they're attacking the church. Mm-hmm. They're seeing that passive mindset and saying, get involved in something. Like, you, you do your Bible studies. Francis Chan has a great little bit on this where he's like, he's like, if, if if I told my daughter, he's got daughters, uh, go clean your room, and she came back to me later that day and said, Dad, I I did I want to show you this this study I did on your words, and here's the different meanings of the words. Go clean your room. Here's a definition of what clean is. Here's a definition of what my room is. Here's different ways people have done it. And he's like, you know, basically he's describing like a Bible study. Uh, but she didn't actually go clean her room. He's like that. I would not be happy with her. Yeah, she's going to be in trouble. Yeah, and his point was, he's like telling the church, like it's not wrong to do Bible study. It's not wrong to make sure we're getting it right. But you got to go out and do it, right? Like, and and so, you know, we can we can let this pendulum of justice swing the other way. Where we're like, yeah, vengeance is God's, but but therefore we we don't have to do anything just in our world today. We don't have to bring any of God's justice. And I think I think that's going too far the other way. So the challenge then, Chris, is yep. how do we walk that middle line? Well, and I think you know to kind of close this thought off and, and close off this episode. I, when I think about it, I look at the Bible in its entirety, and this is where biblical theology is really helpful. What God gave Adam and Eve the responsibility to do were to be priests in this world for Him. They failed at that, and then He made a kingdom of priests through Israel. They failed at it. And now through the Holy Spirit being inside of us, we as Christians have a responsibility to show earth what heaven looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So when you pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think sometimes we think of that as God doing all of the work. No, you are a, you're a priesthood, and that's what we're going to get into in First Peter. You and I are led by the Spirit. He is living inside of us, so we are a temple and we are priests on behalf of God. We are speaking on his behalf. And I'm not talking about Catholic priests here. I'm just saying the word priest. And and similarly, mm-hmm. uh, earlier, what word did you use earlier that I feel like we should define? Um, the term priest or temple or? No, it was, you said it just a little bit ago, but I'll, I'll move on. Um, I just want to be careful that we're we're spelling it out correctly for folks. If it comes to me, I'll, I'll bring it up. But the idea of <clears throat> priest here isn't wearing a frock and serving, you know, a, a community of, of believers. No, what a priest is, is a believer, someone who trusts in God, who's walking with him. The, the word uh, that we use in scripture would be, you know, priesthood, or we, we call it them holy ones, right? They've been right. sanctified by God to do his work and to serve his purposes. If you're letting the spirit lead and guide you, and you you let the spirit lead you to very uncomfortable places where you're going to challenge authority and challenge people to do things the way God would want. You're in the right place. With that said, you know, there are other ways to handle the abortion question than what we typically do. And that's part of what we got into the sermon. You don't need to burn it down. You don't need to blow it up. You, you can protest. You can find ways to love the people walking in there and show them that they are, they are being, lied to. They're being, you know, they're confused. They, we will stand with you. We will walk with you through the darkest part of your life. That is a better way of handling heaven on earth Mm. than the way that a lot of us do. 
And, and we want to take matters into our own hands. And we, we take this idea of priesthood and we go, I have responsibility. I have authority. So therefore, I'm going to use my authority to make change. Okay, yes, the, God asked you to do things, but the way you do it matters to me more than what you actually accomplish. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about heaven on earth, when Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, our job is to usher in, in a very small way, the kingdom of heaven on a daily basis. I've said this repeatedly. Our families should feel more Edenic than they do satanic, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, the way that we manage our households, the way that we manage our jobs, the way that we work, how we do these things, how we do those things as a priest matters incredibly more to me than what you actually accomplish in your life. But that is not a passive sit back, do nothing, wait for the Lord to do something kind of life. That is a, God, I'm looking for the work that you are doing. I want to meet you in it, listen to your spirit, and let your spirit guide me to do this. And that might be protest. That might be, you know, stand outside and and show love to the people who are going in and tell them that there's hope. There's another way to do things. This could be volunteering for a, a life, you know, or, or a pregnancy center that's going to show people what life looks like and guide them to a better way than dealing with the pain and the agony of their decision for the rest of their life. I'm in favor of all of those things. What I'm not in favor of is if we're, le- if we're aiming for power, might, violence, that is probably not the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the kingdom of earth. Because what God's going to do is one day he's going to speak, his power is going to be bestowed completely, and it's done. The battle's done. Up until that point, our job is not to usher in the battle like a bunch of little Davids. Uh, and, and even that story of David versus Goliath has a very specific function and purpose within the text of scripture. Uh, you know, me growing up in Sunday school yeah. being told you could be David, you know, you could yeah. be like that. Yeah. I'd rather be more of a Daniel than a David. I'm yeah. not the King of Israel. I'm not the anointed King of Israel who is looking at a, a giant who is attached to a people group that shouldn't be in the land anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's a whole different deal yep. than what we've got going on today. And so for us to be careful with how we handle that and what we do with it is incredibly important to me. And so being priests in the world that we live in, serving God, showing people what heaven on earth looks like is more important than making sure that we, we win with power and might. Yeah. Sounds like our mission.